0: Well, hello there, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 418 of Sustainable Minimalists. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. I have a down-and-dirty, intentional living show for you today, and that's because on today's show, we're discussing the why and how of gratitude, why we need to make grateful living more than just another thing to check off on our to-do list, and how exactly to do it. Often when we think about having a quote-unquote gratitude practice, we tend to list off three things we're grateful for, right? And these three things are often external items. Perhaps they're people we are happy that are in our life. Perhaps they're items like a home or warm coffee. But the point is that the people, the things that we list off in our gratitude practice, they're external items. And so maybe, just maybe, our culture has bastardized gratitude, so to speak. Corrupted it, maybe. Because even when we're practicing gratitude, so many of us are looking for someone or something outside of ourselves to be grateful for. Now, we are merely a week away from Thanksgiving here in the United States, and yet, how many of us are looking forward to those Black Friday sales? How many of us are making our holiday wish lists? How many of us are knee-deep in the holiday grind in which we're going, going, going without ever stopping and awakening to the miracle, yes, the miracle, of opening our eyes each morning? My guest today argues that we need to simplify the concept of the gratitude practice. Today I'm speaking with Christy Nelson. Christy has a book out right now. It is perfect for the season, and it is titled "Wake Up Grateful: The Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Christy, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today in honor of the season of Thanksgiving. How are you?
1: I'm good. i'm I'm doing well and um, you know, as well as can be. The world is a wild place to be. A resident (laughs) on this planet Earth, sometimes more than others. But today, it's, you know, I'm grateful to be with you and for this opportunity. So thank you.
0: Well, you're so welcome. And I do want to talk about that practicing gratitude when (laughs) there's so much wrong in the world. We'll get there. I would love it if you talked to us about your journey towards finding grateful living as a lifestyle. You've had some health issues in the past. Why don't we start there? Tell us all about it.
1: So, I had stage four cancer in my early 30s. And that was um, what I call a wake up call. It was a massive taking me out of life as I expected it to be and as most of my friends were living. And, you know, and I think in our early 30s, if you want to talk about living life in a simple fashion, Most people who were my peers at that time were really looking at life as if it was going to go on forever and they were going to be able to own homes and get married and have kids and be in career tracks and save for retirement, you know, like the things that you kind of do in your thirties. And suddenly everything was stripped away for me. I was very, very ill for a long time. And when I came out of that illness experience, I had such a different way of relating to life because I had a poor prognosis and that poor prognosis was, uh, you know, basically you're going to be lucky if you live three years and you will have a recurrence. And if you have a recurrence, when you have that recurrence, you're not going to survive the recurrence. It will be fatal. So, you know, stage four cancer, that's pretty tough. And so I came out and it just, everything in the world felt like it was so extraordinary to me that I needed very little. I craved for very little. Everything filled me up so much from being able to walk, being able to be in my body, you know, being able to be outside, hearing birds, all that kind of stuff that it gave me this new perspective on life that I needed so much less than I had ever thought that I would need in order to experience real joy and love. And it... Crystallized what mattered to me. Let's just say that, you know, and it gave me a new perspective on life.
0: It sounds like your illness really showed you that there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much extraordinariness, if that's a word, to pay attention to. But I found it interesting in your book. You said that in the not maybe the days, not the weeks, maybe not even the months, but in the years. Yeah. post-cancer, the annoyances of daily life crept back in. And so I'm wondering, did your level of gratitude diminish over time? And if so, why do you think that happened?
1: Mm. I got back into the world. In the first few years, um I was like, okay, well, I've got three years, you know, so what I'm going to do, I, I just, I wanted to be outdoors all the time. I wanted to be with my loved ones all the time. I wanted to be relating to the earth all the time. I wanted to be experiencing my body all the time. So then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I better go back to work, (laughs) you know, and uh, when I made it three years and I'd better, um, you know, start contributing to the world in different ways and being out in the world. And that was when things changed because suddenly I was going to a job. I decided to work for hospice. It was an amazing job, right? A great job. But still it was about getting dressed up, getting in a car, driving to an office, which we used to do pre-COVID, you know, like going to places, being with people. And suddenly things that had escaped me before became really difficult for me. And things that I swore I would never be bothered by, that I would never you know be so superficial again as to care about you know my my weight because I, here I was i was like oh my god i have a body still okay. i get to live in a body and it's so incredible and i'm going to love this body no matter what it looks like or what it weighs and the longer i live the less that held true you know and so i don't care about what i wear i don't care about you know i just am so grateful to be alive in our society, our society, especially, I think, you know, you, you can talk about Western societies and, and economies where uh, these kinds of things are actually really difficult to buck in the world and um, easy to succumb to caring about things that are really hard to hold fast to our values. Let's just say that in some ways. And so I got a really clear glimpse of how hard it is to hold on to our commitments, to our disciplines, to our practices, to our values, how hard it is to live through those things. So for me, it was like, oh, wow, I used to be so joyful and so grateful for the littlest things. And suddenly I built up a gratitude tolerance. It's like it took more and more and more and more for me to feel grateful. Mm -hmm. And I was bugged by more and more things all the time so much more easily. And what I realized, Stephanie, is that to keep perspective is a practice. It's a discipline. It's something we have to renew constantly. It takes so much support from inside ourselves, from the people around us in the world that we and how we set up our homes. You know, literally, how do we stay grateful for a tap or that we can turn on and water comes out? Mm. Not only that, most of us can have warm water. And so a warm shower when it's cold in the morning. So how do we just stay in awe of the things that we take for granted so readily? And that was a practice I had to learn to develop again, because I knew my way back. I knew what it felt like as a reference point. I knew what it felt like to lose it. And so I did everything I could to figure out how to get back there again, because it was so joyful to live in that place where everything was kind of miraculous, everything about my body, everything about having a home a place to live, the littlest things could bring me so much pleasure. And I wanted to live that way again.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning the practice there. It does take practice to strengthen the gratitude muscle, let's say. And that's because I would argue that our society, our way of life, our capitalistic endeavors, if you want to call it that, it all contributes to a pervasive feeling of scarcity of not having enough of always needing more and to me that goes directly against gratitude and gratefulness so i would love to talk to you about the practice part yes. the the practice if you we want strong muscles we need to lift weights because we're not just going to get them <laughs> right, yep. right and exactly it, i think it's the same with practicing gratitude but why why should we be putting the effort in to strengthen that gratitude muscle. What are some research-backed benefits to mm-hmm. gratitude practice?
1: Mm-hmm. When we experience living gratefully, when we have encounters with gratitude, not just gratitude, because I'm going to argue that gratitude, the way that we've come to understand it's actually quite materialistic. It's about getting what you want. It's about getting the perfect gift. It's about you know when things go right. Um, that's how we relate to gratitude. And that's a highly, highly conditional, fleeting feeling state. So, you know, I think it's important to figure out okay, what is gratefulness? Gratefulness is really living from the inside out gratefully. It's like basically a proactive approach to life versus a reactive approach to something ha- good happening. So, gratitude is super hard to hold on to. Gratefulness, I think, is a different way that we can think about not taking life and time for granted. The research is, It's kind of epic now, I think, what they've come up with in the past. I mean, gratitude's really been researched now in the past 10 years in a big way. And so they've got evidence now. It makes us more generous. It makes us, I mean, you can look at these studies. It makes us more socially likable. People like people who are grateful more, right, than people who are walking around complaining all the time. It helps us to be more um, resilient. It's a high-level resilience builder, to be grateful in our lives for what we have. It increases feelings of well being. It actually, they can measure immune responses, heart responses. So, in terms of what it does for the physical body to live in a state of being grateful versus to live in a state of scarcity and lack and complaint, you know, that nothing's enough. It's good for relationships. Hugely good for relationships. Being ungrateful is <laughs> is a surefire way to take your relationship down the tubes. You know, it's like if nothing is ever going to be enough, and you're complaining all the time. So it's it's a real switch. It's it's a switch that we can turn and look for what there is to be grateful for, and to start filling up the well of ourselves with that awareness and that. And then all of a sudden, like Brother David says, you find yourself much happier. We can find ourselves much more content. With things that we weren't content with before.
0: Yes, there was a quote in your book that I wrote down because it really struck me. It was a Brother David quote. He said, It's not happiness that makes us grateful, it's gratefulness that makes us happy. In addition to all the benefits to practicing gratitude, I would say that it gives us, in addition to all of those, practicing gratitude regularly is an amazing way to gain perspective on problems. Uh, totally. Is this problem, is this traffic that's preventing me from getting to my daughter's gymnastics on time? Like, is this really something that I should allow to upend in my day or not? Yeah. And so I feel that way in terms of how mm. gratitude and really actively working to flex that muscle has it improved is. my life. But I'm wondering... Uh, what you would say about it's gratefulness that makes us happy. Have you experienced that or anything related to that in your life? Oh yeah.
1: If I wake up in the morning, so it's the reason why I call the book, wake up grateful (laughs) is because if you wake up grateful and you can cultivate, so build that muscle first thing in the morning. Just for the fact of waking up in a body where you can open your eyes, you can move your legs, you can actually get out of bed, you have a bed to sleep in, you have air that's comfortable, you can potentially breathe unassisted, you could walk unassisted, even if it, there's so much that we can fill our awareness with to be grateful for. And in my experience, If you can't be grateful for what you have, like if you can't look around you and say, oh my gosh, and look inside you and say, there's so much to be grateful for and it could keep me busy every single minute of the day. Instead, the opposite of happiness for me is in that kind of insatiability. It's never enough. And so we're chasing things that we think we're supposed to have what more? I need more. The grass is greener. I, you know, all of the stuff that's really antithetical to sustainability and minimalism and living a simple life. We just are pushed in our society. As you say, I think there's so much focus on more, newer, better, improved this. There's comparison, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. And like, who do we compare ourselves to? We compare ourselves to people who have more than we do. If you compare yourself to people who have less than you do, it's a really big shift. It's actually not a thief of joy. We're so often full, our lives are so full and are not lacking, and yet I can shift my perspective really easily by remembering when I didn't have the things that I have now. When I was so sick, I didn't have the well-being I have now. Someday I'm not going to have the well-being I have now, the ability to get up and walk out of my house on my two legs and be healthy enough to be able to enjoy my life. That's not going to be true always. So, you know, I can compare myself to a marathon runner or, you know, a runway model or something, you know, which people get these crazy comparison ideas, celebrities or something, but why, you know, to me, it's, it's about I want to be grateful for what I have access to in my life right now. And that takes consistent reinforcement of perspective that supports that contentment, that joy, the joy of, of it's enough. It's not even just enough. It's extraordinary. It's a miracle. It's an absolute and incredible miracle to have what we have and to be who we
0: are. Yes. I'm totally going to butcher your words, but the mic drop moment in your book for me was, you know, when we talk about gratitude from a lot of us, for me, even sometimes, you know, when I think about what I'm grateful for, it's always an external thing. Like I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my car. I'm thankful for food. I don't know. However, in your book, you mentioned that it's not about, necessarily whether your glass is half empty or half full. It's the fact that you have a glass.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's such a great moniker for the work that you stand for, for the for what we all stand for in terms of values. Because half full or half empty doesn't really matter. You know, it's like at the end, it's like, do you have a glass at all? And the glass is, are you alive? Are you aware that you're breathing? Are you aware that this that for me, the reminder is I have lost so many people to cancer who I've loved. And my mom died while I was writing the book. And, you know, it's, I've, when I have loss in my life and I think about all the people right now who are losing their lives to conflict around the world and all the to hunger. And, and I think I get to be alive today. There are millions of people who would give anything to be alive today and why am i taking that for granted why is that not enough why is it not enough to be able to breathe you know uh covid taught us really vividly you know that to have health and to have well-being that these are not to be you know we don't we so often take them for granted and and we we dismiss those as if those aren't important and so how do we make the most important things important again How do we remember what's important and what really matters? I think that's part of the practice.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you exactly that, Christy. We're going to take our ad break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about fighting back against what you call gratitude tolerance when we have plenty, but we forget about it in the pursuit of getting more. So we're going to talk about fighting back against gratitude tolerance after a quick sponsor break. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven Collection And we're back. Today, I'm speaking with Christy Nelson. She is the author of the book that I loved and is so poignant, especially now in November, as we head into Thanksgiving. The name of the book is Wake Up Grateful, The Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Christy, we're at that point in the conversation where we've nailed down the why, but I want to get into the how. So how do we practice gratitude How do we flex that muscle? But more specifically, how do we fight back against gratitude tolerance, which is, of course, what used to be plenty, what used to be more than enough is we forget about it because we're pursuing more, more, more. So how do we fight back against gratitude tolerance? Mm -hmm.
1: So there's always, you know, I mean, I love this. I love the saying that we're always practicing something. So, you know, at this point where we direct our attention is what we're practicing, basically, where we put our attention is where what we experience of life. That's how we shape our lives. So one of the things that we have to do is really stop, you know, so for me, practice any kind of meaningful practice is going to be reliant on stopping and pausing and being able to get really present to life and to feel the fact that life is a gift, to feel the fact when we stop, it's like, be aware of How much is streaming toward you at every moment in service of life, in service of the fact of being alive? What is working in your life right now that is supporting life? Stop. Get very basic. Brother David says too, it's enough to be grateful for the next breath. Let's start with a very simple wake up grateful. The idea is, can you wake up and be grateful before anything has even happened yet? Gratitude tolerance, I think can be like when we journal at the end of the day and it's like three things today. I was grateful that happened. Three things today. I was grateful I got three things today. I was grateful that I noticed I have or that are working for me. And, and so all of a sudden it's like, hmm, you know, there's nothing new anymore. Well, what, what if it was just we could revisit the exact same things over and over again? Really life is a gift. When you greet each moment gratefully, you are always receiving. So that's really a beautiful, amazing thing, which is true, which is we don't have to wait for anything to happen or to receive anything more. We're already receiving so much. So wake up grateful is start to cultivate the ability to notice what you have to be grateful for before anything more has happened. We're always waiting for the more. We're waiting for all the green lights and the red lights and yellow lights. We just begrudge them and they're not to be grateful for. But what happens if? It's actually good to slow down. It's good to stop. It's good to yield. So I think the practice really is that perspective. How do we how do we fight back against gratitude tolerance? And it's an interesting thing. It's like, how do we claim our right to be grateful? You know, as opposed to just fighting back, it's like, ah, you know, like this place inside of me that just says, wait a minute, don't tell me I'm not enough. Don't tell me I don't have enough. Don't tell me life isn't enough. There are so many people who would give anything to have the lives that we have and what we have and the bodies that we have even with their aches and pains and the things that don't work, right? Everything is surprise. When you open to wonder, opportunities abound. Really, we forget to be in wonder. We forget to look around and notice when we look like, oh my God, that is incredible. That is awe-inspiring. How do we come to take nature so for granted? What the natural world is doing all the time, what our bodies are doing all the time, what we have available to us all the time is enough to blow our minds, The ordinary is extraordinary. There's nothing ordinary really about life. So I think being willing to be in awe is one of the most important things. And you know what it takes? It actually takes vulnerability. We have to be willing to be vulnerable to be able to say, this moves me. Sometimes it moves me to tears when I see how much is available to me in my life. And I experience it as privilege because not everybody has it. And I didn't used to have it. And one day I won't have it again. So why do, you know, the gratitude tolerance is built in this idea of I'm taking it for granted. That's the biggest place of gratitude tolerance. It's always going to be here.
0: Well, Christy, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I mentioned driving to gymnastics in traffic, yes. <laughs> and that's actually a real example from my life. A couple of weeks sure. ago, I was late rushing through town, trying to get my kids to gymnastics on time. My monkey mind was doing, you know, what it normally does, which is run through the laundry list of things that I have to do. Plus, you know, the anxiety of being late, the frustration of sitting in traffic. Um, you know, my my mood wasn't great. And then I just found myself taking a deep breath and looking around. I live in New England and a few weeks ago was prime leaf changing it season was. The <laughs> it was gorgeous
1: got gorgeous yes
0: yes and you know i live in an area with historic homes and just like everything out of a a portrait a painting a new Eng- yeah. what you would see in like a quintessential new england portrait in yeah. the autumn is where i live and so i took a deep breath and i'm sitting in traffic and i'm looking around and i just thought to myself holy moly like i am living it there's yeah. so much to experience and joy if I can only just get out of my head and see it. And so you mentioned that a lot of us, maybe we don't appreciate what we already have. Yeah. I would say that for me, oftentimes I'm so stuck in my mind and my monkey mind that I don't even see what I have.
1: 100%.
0: For listeners who resonate with my little Norman Rockwell story there, yeah. <laughs> what would you suggest is step one for seeing? Because you can't be grateful for what you don't even see or recognize or realize you have. So, what's step one?
1: Step one is slowing down and stopping. Mm -hmm. There's a reason, like when you get stopped in traffic, it's interesting. It's like, (laughs) I'm stopped in traffic. Like I say, the red light, the yellow light, you know, if we can't be present. So, mindfulness is the precondition, you know, the ability to be present is a precondition for any experience that's going to matter. If you're not where you are, then you're somewhere else and it's like you're not how can you possibly notice where you are if you're not where you are you're in the future you're in the past you're in complaint you're begrudging what's happening so it's like okay whoa soften be here you know open up the doors of awareness and like you said just turn to notice and and i use prompts all the time i use poetry i use quotes i use questions i put little post it notes on things don't forget to be grateful for me, right? Like, you know, you go to the refrigerator, you open it up. It's like, who says it's amazing to have a refrigerator. If you have a refrigerator, you're like one of 20, is it 25 to 30% of the people in the world, you know, that even have the ability. So like, how is it that we are able to so readily forget the privileges that we have in our lives? And one of the things that it, it is a practice that I think is very helpful for kind of the moment, Stephanie, that you're talking about, which is the have to get to practice, which I think is powerful, which is, we think all the time, if you think all the time, I have to, I have to go pick up my daughter, I have to go get in the car, I have to go run grocery, get groceries, I have to run errands, I have to do chores, or I have to have to have to as a grind of the mind, mind grind. And instead, switch that to I get to I get to go pick up my daughter at gymnastics. Whoa, how many things about that are incredible? First of all, that your daughter can do gymnastics, that she has a body, that she's able to do that, that you're able to go get in a car and actually drive somewhere and pick her up from an experience that she's having. You know, there's so many things I get to, I get to, I get to. And so I do that a lot with when I feel, I do a lot of caregiving, my parents, my step parents are older. My dad and my stepmom and my and and so there's things that are required in life um, of caregiving. And I often think, okay, I have to cook for my stepdad today. I have to go drive him over all this food. And then I think, I get to cook for my stepdad. I get to go pick up this beautiful person in my life. You know, I get to go to a store and be able to buy groceries. How many things about that are incredible? I have the money to be able to buy myself food, I have a place I can go to buy food. I so it's about remembering how much we're not remembering so much of the time.
0: And the inverse is also true because when you practice gratitude or at least when I practice gratitude and I give myself that moment to stop and pause and look at the world through grateful eyes, I experience that sense of awe and wonder that you perhaps felt in your early days of remission. And when you're looking at the world through eyes and seeing the awe and wonder that's all around us all the time, it's like the black veil that is the daily grind gets lifted and everything's brighter. Everything's more manageable almost. And everything is, you know, again, in perspective. But before we say goodbye, Christy, I do want to ask you, I mean, there are indeed some truly terrible moments, some truly sucky moments in life. What are your best thoughts for practicing grateful living in those sucky moments of grief or illness or just general struggle
1: so um yeah, life is can be really, really hard, and for me, it's also that my heart breaks for the world, for the planet, you know, I am super. Impacted by the headlines every day right now. They're, you know, anybody who's alive and has a heart that's open is going to feel, I think, besieged by what's going on in the world. It's so hard. Um, and it's hard to make sense of. And yet I think what has made the biggest difference for me is realizing that one of the ways that I can contribute to the world the most is by, is through kindness, through generosity through sharing what there is through little acts of giving care to the world. I love to walk and I pick up litter everywhere I go much to the chagrin of most of my friends who think <laughs> like, why are you picking that up? Oh my God. it's so good. But I, it's one of the things that I feel like it, there are little things that I can do the kind of micro actions, the micro kindnesses that we can extend to one another. It's one of the things that I think helps to heal a lot of where it is that we feel so undone by life is to back, actually do life differently and to make life better for other people. I mean, we know there's so much statistic about being able to get beyond ourselves sometimes and to realize, you know, in grief, there's so much of the world that is grieving that the the sense of being so alone with our experiences is really so much. I think um, there's a myth around that or an illusion. I think we're really connected to each other. In the things that we're grieving and the things that were, were sorrow, our hearts are broken. And so reaching out to somebody, especially around this time of year. And so this is a time of year, I think, when it's really to, to say thank you to more people, just in a more clear way. Like, what if, what if around Thanksgiving we made it a holiday where we thank the people that we take for granted? Think of 10 people you take for granted who are making your life better, who are making your life possible every day, who have made your life possible in some way and express your appreciation for them in some way. Um, This is a really easy thing to do with the people around us. And I think it helps, it doesn't solve the larger global problems, but it helps us feel more sense of agency and more connected when we can kind of catalyze a grateful ripple, you know, something Make something powerful and positive happen around you in your heart or whatever. And because we're never going to make life absent the difficulty and we can't be grateful for horrible things and hard things. We can't be grateful for everything, but we can try to be grateful in every moment. And I'm going to end with one quote that I think is really important. And it is by um, a guy named Marlon Rico Lee. And he he says, be grateful for the things and people you have in your life. Everything you have, everything you take for granted, everyone you take for granted, someone somewhere is praying for, someone somewhere is longing for. And that's the whole reason I wrote the book, was to wake us up to what we have and realize that even a window even a cup of tea, even the ability to hear a bird, that they're all miracles if we tune into them as such.
0: I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, Christy. I got an awful lot out of our conversation and I wish you an abundant Thanksgiving season.
1: Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much for what you do and what you stand for.
0: Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 418. And we do have a bit of an eco tip today. It comes from Deborah. Deborah listened to last Thursday's episode all on how to buy soap. Deborah is a connoisseur of homemade soap. She's been making it herself for over two decades because of irritated skin issues, she found really that the only thing that would work for her was homemade soap. And she suggested that I mention that many homemade soap makers who sell at markets, farmers markets perhaps, do add sodium lauryl sulfate or SLS into their products. The reason being that SLS adds the suds, it adds the lather that so many of us want and desire in our soaps. We tend to think that products that lather and suds up are better at cleaning, right? But that's not the case. And so Deborah says that it's not what's in homemade soap that makes it great. It's what's not in it that makes it great. And so homemade soaps from markets without the sodium laurel sulfate or laureth sulfate are where we should be putting our hard-earned money. And so if you're in the habit of buying those soaps from smaller makers, definitely inquire as to whether they have the sodium laurel or laureth sulfate, the SLS in their products. Thank you, Deborah. excellent tip there. Listeners will be back on Thursday. I will see you then. Reach out if you need me and take care.